Greetings to all sentient life forms in the universe. Welcome to Poetic Earthlings, a show that will provoke, inspire, and alter your perception. Here's your host from a remote location south of the 49th parallel, York Campbell. While most podcasters are putting out their best of moments because, you know, the year is winding down, Poetic Earthlings is doing something different. I'm not going to bore you with snippets of the shows and the the best moments or even a so-called Christmas special. What I've done is I produced a show from the Most Precious Commodity podcast. The writer is Brent Stark. This episode that I'm about to play is a modern day classic. Also, stick around to the end because I have a special Earthling Spotlight that you don't want to miss. Alright, here's the show. Manufactured, French hoarded, Italian squandered. Americans say it is money, Hindus say it does not exist. You know what I see? Hello, everyone. This is Brent Stark, and I'd like to welcome you to the Most Precious Commodity Podcast, which is a podcast of all the stories I've written over the last several months, with the theme being time. What do we do with the time we have? Why does it always seem to go so fast? And what happens when we run out? You know, when it comes to me writing my stories, I get inspired by a lot of different things. It could be something someone says that inspires a story, or it could be a quote that I've come across maybe on the internet or here on TV, or sometimes a story will come to mind after I hear a a, a factual story, something true, and then I kind of weave in a little bit of fiction into that. But sometimes I come up with a story by just merely seeing something in nature and wondering how it got there and if there's any story behind what I've seen. And a lot of my stories this summer I came up with while out on a hike. This story is no different. It's called The Hillside Crosses. And I came up with this story when we're on our way to pick out our Christmas tree for this holiday season. On the way there, we passed a hill on the side of the road that had three crosses. And couple of them were like bent to the side. They weren't all the way straight up. So I thought that was interesting. And just beyond those crosses was a tree farm. It wasn't like a business tree farm either. We pulled in, it was just somebody's house and we weren't even sure we were at the right place. But when we got there, there was this man, he was a quiet man, all business-like man. He's friendly, but he was quiet. And I wondered if he had a backstory. And then I tried to weave it into that backstory with the crosses that I saw on the side of the road. And and I wonder, 
could something be made out of that? And like I mentioned last week, Christmas stories are hard to create because there are just so many of them. And you, you know, for me personally, I want to write something unique. I know sometimes it's hard to do that. I, you know, I weave in some different things that you might have heard before, but I try to make them as unique as possible. And this one, I hope you find unique and inspiring because it's all inspired by the hillside crosses I saw on the side of the road and the man that helped us pick out a tree. So I hope you enjoy it. When I'm done, I'll tell you a little bit more about the story and then what I'll be talking about next week. So I present to you the hillside crosses. considered it a game, a sick game, but a game nonetheless. Mr. Bender, a senior vice president at a major medical supply company, made it standard practice to fire as many employees as HR would allow before the end of the year as a cost-saving measure. His goal was to cut just enough employees to save money but not so many that production suffered. Every December, it was the same. Fire and count the savings. Fire and count the savings. And each year, he was getting more and more efficient at his corporate game. You're fired. Mr. Bender knew that his December firings might raise some corporate eyebrows if he didn't mix it up a bit. So sometimes he would drive employees to resign. And that was the best of both worlds for him, see, because he would save money by removing an employee and then also not have to pay unemployment. Mr. Bender relished the game. It kept his mind sharp, especially as he neared retirement. Now, Mr. Bender hadn't always played the game. As a matter of fact, he abhorred office politics and drama until he started reaching the higher rungs on the ladder of corporate success. Mr. Bender credited his meteoric rise to hard work and a heaping helping of talent. He never married, had no children, and few friends, so work was his single focus. He had no patience for those who didn't value work as much as he did. If employees aren't striving to move up, then they aren't dedicated. And it wasn't until he became vice president of finance that he fully embraced his game's tenants. He was in charge of the company's finances. And the better the company did, the better he appeared. Long work hours, micromanagement practices, and a culture of bullying were his go-tos. Employees were nothing more than anonymous capital necessary only for his edification. And not only was Mr. Bender skillful at the employee removal game, he was also quite adept at swindling personal and business clients. He would upcharge them for services and products because, well, he could. And after all, his purpose was to make money. Show me the money. Not help others. Mr. Bender was not a good man, and he knew that. But that game's pull was just too much. A couple weeks before his retirement, he pulled off one of his more impressive feats. He fired a young single mother 
Maria flowers one day before Thanksgiving break. The despondent, defeated look in Maria's eyes that day almost, almost tugged at Mr. Bender's heartstrings, but his heart had grown too cold by then to be overly affected by such displays of emotion. Please, sir, don't fire me. I'm sorry, but you are done. My husband left us, and now I'm stuck with a farm I can't afford. I had to take my daughter to the doctor. I promised to make up the time. No. I'm sorry, but you know the rules. I have no tolerance for people who abuse the system. Find your way out the door. Please, please, show grace. So where are we going to eat? Mr. Bender gleefully asked the human resources representative, untouched by the fact that he had just recently negatively impacted that young mother's life. Maria hadn't even left the room before Mr. Bender was thinking about what to feed his belly. One thing was evident. Mr. Bender was quite good at compartmentalizing. Mr. Bender's drive home every evening after work was uneventful. He took a shortcut through small towns and hilly countryside, and most people would classify it as a picturesque commute steeped in Americana. Not Mr. Bender. His eyes may have been looking at the road, but his mind was elsewhere, most likely laying the groundwork for how to rip off another client or chase away another employee. God only knows why, but for a brief moment, Mr. Bender halted the harried activity swirling feverishly around in his brain and glanced to a hill on the side of the road. Hmm, never seen that before, he thought as he slowed down to take a look at it more closely. It's a wooden cross. It looked to be about 20 feet tall and was leaning ever so slightly to the right. Mr. Bender had never noticed it before, but on that night, he did. And just as Mr. Bender was about to pass it, a vision flashed across the tall wooden cross. Hanging there on that cross was Miss Stevens, his former assistant. He fired her when she was late, turning in some random run-of-the-mill report that, in all actuality, he could have done himself. See, she was in the hospital in the days leading up to its due date. A deadline is a deadline he said as he showed her the door. What in the... wondered a shaken Mr. Bender as he sped by. It must be my overactive imagination or something. I mean, stress must be getting to me, he thought, as he tried to calm himself down. It's not often that you see a vision of a former co-worker hanging on a hillside cross. The vision did little to change Mr. Bender as he continued to harass and threaten his subordinates. He had only nine days until retirement, and he was going to go out with a bang. His cost center would be the most lean in the history of the company, was his legacy. His final few days in the office were pretty standard. Fire, intimidate, and cheat. Fire, intimidate, and cheat. But the drives home became even more bizarre. Miss Stevens was not the only one appearing on that old wooden cross. Soon he saw visions of Bill Flannery, Deborah Thomas, Ned Frank, Wanda Harris, all former employees of his, all hanging on that hillside cross. And like Miss Stevens, they didn't deserve to be fired. Yet they were. 
because of the unflinching ambition of Mr. Bender. He had robbed them of their jobs and their dignity. He tried to keep from looking at the hillside cross, but no matter how hard he tried, his eyes kept involuntarily diverting to it. He was also too stubborn to try a different route. Mr. Bender didn't like to show weakness and going a different route would be a classic sign. And soon though, the unusually unshaken Mr. Bender had become quite shakable. No, 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 they can't be up there. Someone needs to remove that cross. Go away, go away. Am I going crazy? And with each drive, the visions became more and more vivid. Soon, Mr. Bender started seeing images of clients that he swindled hanging off of that old cross. Past employees and clients all hung from that hillside cross, none of them supposed to be there. Yet there they were because of the arrogance of a thief drunk with power. And if Mr. Bender wasn't on the verge of retirement, he would have resigned and never, ever driven that way again. It was the night of a retirement party, Mr. Bender's last official day of work. A long retirement awaited, and soon he would never have to drive by those crosses again. Yet a funny thing happens when you spend most of your years bullying and firing and swindling. No one. Not one soul comes to your retirement party. Not one person showed up that evening. Not even his upper management colleagues. Turns out that no one liked Mr. Bender. He was universally despised. That night it was cold and icy. Quite appropriate for someone like Mr. Bender. A mirror to his soul. Fine. I don't need anyone anyway. I'm out of here. I'd like to see how well this company performs with me gone. One final drive by the cross. I can do this. Mr. Bender was on his way, acutely aware of his surroundings. There it is. There it is. Don't look. Don't look. But just like every other time, his eyes drifted toward a figure hanging from the cross. It was a vision a vision of Maria Flowers, that single mother he unceremoniously fired just two weeks prior. He remembered the conversation and how she begged for grace. Please, please show grace. Yet he had none. He never displayed grace, not even for a mother who is probably going to lose her job. She was on that cross, writhing in pain. His words were the nails that jabbed her there. He shrieked in horror. This was now too much to bear. The consequences of his sins were manifesting on that hillside cross. Cross? There were now crosses on that hillside. Three of them, as a matter of fact. Upon seeing the other crosses, Mr. Bender lost control of his car. It was in in the ice and the snow his car was sliding as it weaved across the highway as Mr. Bender struggled to maintain control. 
His muscles tightened as he tried with all his might to save his car and himself. He couldn't stop its course. The vehicle was careening out of control, much like his life, heading straight for the hillside crosses. The noise of the impact reverberated over the hillside and down into the valley full of pine trees. The new cross had fallen directly onto Mr. Bender's car. His cell phone was crushed against the side panel. He was pinned underneath the cross. The cross rested across the hood and over the top of the car. Flying splinters had pierced his head and his hands. Hardly anyone drives by this shortcut. No one will find me. Struggling to try and free himself, it was no use. Mr. Bender raised his head and looked at the middle cross, the one that had always been there. Yet this time, he didn't see the faces of those he wronged. It was someone else, a man, someone he hadn't interacted with in a very long time, but someone he he recognized. Help me, please. I'm so sorry for all I've done. Please, please save me. That man hanging on the middle cross looked down upon a hurting Mr. Bender and nodded. A hand then reached around the partially fallen cross and pushed it to the side. It then grabbed Mr. Bender and pulled him from the wreckage. That hand? That hand belonged to Maria, the woman he fired just a few weeks prior. It was Maria who displayed grace and played an earthly role in saving Mr. Bender. It was Maria who had forgiven Mr. Bender for what he did before he had even asked. It was Maria who took direction from that man Mr. Bender saw on the cross. See, Maria owned the property on which the crosses rested. It was the land that she was going to lose because she lost her job and her husband. Maria called an ambulance and within 15 minutes, Mr. Bender was being treated. He was hurt, but it was the healthiest he had been in a long time. His soul no longer damaged. He was clean. For the first time in a long time, he was free. And a few months later, a new Christmas tree farm opened just beyond the crosses. It turns out there were a few hundreds of pines and firs on that property enough to open a business run by Maria Flowers and her new employee, a retired business executive who found forgiveness under some hillside crosses. See, they have the best, least expensive Christmas trees around. And you know what? They treat the customers and employees very, very well. Hillside Crosses, written and performed by Brent Stark. 
produced by yours truly, York Campbell. If you want to listen to a podcast that could entertain and also warm the heart, I recommend Most Precious Commodity. Brent Stark, he's an incredible storyteller. So to catch all of the details, go on my website, poeticearthlings.com. It's time for the Earthling Spotlight, where we recognize an independent poet or novelist. This person not only excels in their field, but also moves the industry forward. York, who's it going to be this time? I would like to introduce Tim Hardy. He's a British author. His new book, Hall of Bones, is now available on Amazon. I went out and purchased my copy. I strongly recommend that you do so as well. If you're into fantasy and Vikings and and the whole adventure, then please purchase his book. This is book one in the fantasy series, Brotherhood of the Eagle. I'm going to read to you a small part of his book. But before I do that, we need some kind of Viking music, some kind of theme music. Space Lady, do you have anything in the background that we could play? All right, that's better. Okay, listen to this. There is scratching against the bars of the cage, accompanied by the flapping of wings as the crows squabble over the best perch from which to peck at my flesh. The constant agony is so much part of my identity, I'm unaware of the sharp pain as their beaks worry at my ragged and torn flesh. Soon it will be over, I tell myself. Soon. It's odd to think that for so many years I was happy here as I grew up in my father's care. Okilv's keep was my family home and I try to remember those times long before the great hall ran red with blood. So that's a part of Tim Hardy's book, Hall of Bones. Again, it's available now on Amazon. Or you could take a look on my website, poeticearthlings.com, for all of the details. Thank you, Tim, for being an amazing earthling. And thank you for listening to Poetic Earthlings. We're not winding down here. In fact, we're speeding things up. Next week is going to be a brand new episode. Also, do me a favor, spread the word about this show. And another thing that you could do, if you find value for listening to the show, then buy me a coffee. I know that I say that from time to time, but it really does help. You could go to the website, buy me a coffee slash poetic earthlings. You could give whatever you feel that this show is worth. Easy, Ironhide. 
Also, if you become a monthly member, you'll get exclusive content. So that's buy me a coffee slash poetic earthlings. Thank you very much once again for listening. Thank you for being with me through this year. I look forward to the new year. I'm sure that you do as well. We just pray that things will be a little bit calmer, a little bit better. Also, special thank you to my big brother, Elvis. Remember, be kind to each other. Be a good earthling. And I'll talk to you next year. Thank you.